Race Fuels is the leading fuel distributor in Australian motorsport, and we are seeking two enthusiastic, hard-working individuals to join our dynamic team in 2022. Both roles are based at Racefields headquarters in Dandenong, South Melbourne, and include travel to Australia's best motorsport events. The right candidates should be self-motivated, autonomous workers with a customer-focused attitude. To be part of our great team, apply now via recruitment website Seek, Jobspot on Speed Cafe, or email your resume to careers at racefuels.com.au. Two of the very best operators in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Hello everyone, it's the Parked Up Podcast. We are powered by Race Fuels. My name's Grant Rowley. I'm joined by Tony Delperto and Tony for this episode of Parked Up. We are going to speak to three lovely ladies of the supercars and Australian motorsport paddocks. Are you excited? Absolutely. I'm, I'm just excited for another episode of Parked Up. Um, but then to have three females on the show this week uh, just makes it all the, all the better. Is that a word? <laughs> no. All the better. It's not. It's not. Okay. Maybe for the next episode, we'll get some school teachers to come on <laughs> and give you a lesson in some proper English. Well, yes. Okay. So, how, how you um, been this week? What's what's going on? What's the go? Very, very busy. Very busy. Work is very, very, uh, very busy, and uh, you know, lots of training. That's been ramped up. Lee's ramped up my training now for the. Uh, now we've actually got some definite dates in the diary at least for the Bathurst 1000 anyway. Um, So something to work towards and, uh, you know, it's not too far away. So lots of training, lots of work. My dad's basically working me to the bone. And then Mm -hmm. you throw in a little bit of sim racing as well, which is, which was um, going bloody terribly. Um, So it was a stressful week. Let's not bring the sim (laughs) stuff up at the top of the show, because I don't want to give our readers like a really, depressing readers. are they gonna um, read sorry, listen, listeners. <laughs> yeah just in case someone gets a uh gets this transcribed but um yeah just uh, i don't want to start it on a really negative tone so let's leave okay. the sim stuff as far deep. next episode oh man next next season maybe next <laughs> season um okay cool all right so in this uh in this episode of parked up we're powered by race fuels We've got heaps on before I talk about what we've got on. Our good friends at Race Fuels have got two new jobs on offer. And you yes. would have heard that at the top of the show. Uh, so someone effectively to work in their warehouse and, and be part of their traveling crew to go to uh, heaps of cool racetracks all around the country, a little bit of weekend work, uh, a little bit of heavy lifting, get to drive forklifts around and move uh, pretty dangerous goods. Um, so- and they're We've also looking for this, a, a coordinator. Um, yes. Oh, did we? Yeah, we I spoke about this. Yeah, we spoke about this last episode, and I mentioned that I've got my forklift license. Oh, yeah. So basically, uh, if I took that job, I'd be a professional driver. I'd be professional well. There's more to it. Driver, than just yeah. there's going to racetracks. There's more to it than just oh. driving the forklift, though. You don't just sit oh, okay. on the forklift all day oh. and try and set PBs, moving around pallets of. Um, BP Ultimate E85. I must admit, it's bloody fun being on the forklift. A little bit scary at times, like when you when you're actually getting stuff off uh, some pallet racking really high. 
Yeah. I do worry that I'm going to tear the whole thing down <laughs> and potentially hurt someone. So I go very slowly. Mm. Um, but have, you bit, have, you shunt, have you shunted? Have you shunted? Mate, absolutely. Absolutely. I've actually just, oh, not that long ago, probably uh, earlier this year, I, I was lifting something and I was backing out of the factory and I had the forks up too high and the forklift hit the roller door. So the roller door is meant to be up all the way to the top every time. So you, you, you sort of get a bit lazy and you, you don't check every time, which you should. Yeah. And I just assumed that the roller door was going to be fully up. Anyway, so I'm backing out and uh, the forklift has grabbed the roller door and basically almost torn it off the factory. No yeah. good. No good. No good. <clears throat> what the boss say? No, I, I quickly fixed it up. He never knew. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Does he listen to the pod? I don't reckon he is lately. He hasn't been mentioning it, so I might get away with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, well, you do if... have to be careful, though. You know, like people get a, a little bit blase about the forklift running around, buzzing up and down, picking things mm-hmm. up. So you got to be a bit careful. Those things are quite lethal. Yeah. Well, if you can drive a forklift better than Tony D and you've got a good work ethic, like as in if you make a mistake, you have to tell the boss. <laughs> unlike uh, unlike what you've just talked about there, Tony, then you should definitely get in contact with Race Fields. They've got those jobs on offer uh, and you can apply via Seek uh, or you can have a look at JobSpot, which is on speedcafe.com. So uh, get, in, get involved. Like a fun job. Yeah, it does. It does. And they're very good friends of ours. You might even get to talk to us two from time to time. How good is that? Try and encourage people to get involved. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, this episode, Parked Up, we're talking to three excellent young ladies from uh, the Australian motorsport scene. We've got Shannon Keeley from Erebus Motorsport. She is the managing director working there at the team's two-car Melbourne-based supercars team. We're also going to speak to Nicole Bryant. She is a, a physiotherapist who works for... Uh, Walkinshaw Andretti United does a lot of training with uh, their drivers, all of their crew, among other people, including us too, Tony, thanks to our good friends Mm. at Reaction Performance. Uh, And then in the media sector, in my sort of world, we're going to talk to Tanea McLeod, who uh, runs her own uh, small business for media and marketing and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. She's a very, very clever little chook. So uh, we're going to speak to her about her world in the Australian so motorsport scene. Before we go any further, Grant, you come mm-hmm. up with this concept to get these lovely ladies on the show yeah. um, because you think, you know, we, we just have too many blokes on this park. We up do podcast. speak to a lot of blokes, but what? just by nature though. What what was your theory behind this? Like, what what are you what are you trying to achieve here? Uh, well, I tell you, like, I, I got to uh, you know we record the pod and then I have to edit the pod and then I have to make the social media posts for the pod. Uh, so I thought, what like, how can we get more people to get interested in this? And you know, putting pictures you of think- you and you and I up doesn't work. So let's get pictures <laughs> of th- three girls who obviously like you know, better, better looking, looking than us. us. So yeah. okay. uh, that was kind of one of my theories. Also, look, we just don't get to talk to uh, enough, enough females, um, which I guess is a little, it's, it's a, it's a it little bit of a wrong. Show. It, it sounds wrong. You don't get, 
You don't get to talk to enough females. No, we don't on this podcast. I talk oh, to heaps right. of females all the time. Right. Okay. I even I talk to so many females. I've made two of them at home, and they live with me. So, right. uh, you know, I've got plenty of females in my life. Don't you stress? Just not on this podcast. <laughs> not on this pod. No, I mean, look, motorsport is you know, tarnished with the with the brush of. It's a male-dominated sport, and uh, that is not entirely true. There is some amazing ladies that love their motorsport that hold uh, very important roles, and uh, I suppose today we're just trying to highlight that that you know these ladies uh, do amazing things, amazing things in their sectors and their their different um, sides of the business. And without them, um, you know, we wouldn't the, the sport wouldn't be as good as what it is today. Exactly. Exactly. And we picked three of the best. So looking forward to catching up with them. Before we get to them, we've got the news and let's just dive in. Let's get into it. Okay, this is the news. It's brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au. Tony D, the big news story is the fact that we don't really have too much news about what our calendars are going to look like for the rest of the year. But there is seems to be a little bit more clarity coming around how certainly supercars would like to complete the last five rounds. We know the Bathurst 1000 is going to be a big six-day event. That's going to be huge. Mm. It was talked about all last week. We didn't get to talk about in in, la, in the last pod, but we've got a, a huge six-day Bathurst motorsport mecca I'm going to be so busy, Grant. So busy. So you, so there's ten categories that are going to be there. It's going to run over a record-breaking six days. It's got all five, all six ARG categories, including Mm. Super Three. It's going to run alongside Super Two, plus your Toyota eighty sixes and your Super Utes and Porsche and the the big show, the Repco Bathurst one thousand, the last round of the. Supercars Championship. It's going to be an absolutely huge weekend. It's going to be amazing. So you could the one guy though. You the could one run. guy is going to be busier than everybody. Who's that? James Moffat. James Moffat. Oh, with oh, tra- Mate, he's doing supercars, TCR, and Trans Am. That's pretty busy. That's, That's pretty big. busy. I tell That's you big. who else could be pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Garth Tander. So supercars with Red Bull. He could do a GT World Challenge mm. and commentary. Wow. So that's uh, Craig Lowndes, the same. Supercars, Carrera Cup, and potentially commentary. Oh, yeah. Jeez. So there's, there's, a, uh, there's quite a bit. So Chaz also has the option of doing uh, supercars as, as a full-time driver. TCR, mm. he's currently leading that series and... GT World Challenge. There's a heap of. I think there's six. He'd be crazy. Yeah. Be so crazy what, to do what does that. he ditch? What does he ditch? Do you reckon he well, ditches TCR well, and give you a chance to storm through Stephen Bradbury style and win the <laughs> win the title? Yeah, he sh- definitely shouldn't do TCR. No way, no way. It'd be bad for his uh, main series efforts. <laughs> um, look, if if we get another round of the championship prior to the Bathurst 1000, he's probably going to have enough points to have wrapped up the championship all going well so you know he could easily ditch tcr and uh just focus on the big ones so there you there's go a, yeah yeah so there's about six i think caruso's also he, he should be there's okay. a lot of us doing double duties but then triple like your head will be spinning oh yeah 
I'd mm. imagine though that some of these categories might be able to get wrapped up by say Friday, which might work out a bit better. But knowing how a co-driver's weekend usually goes over the Bathurst 1000, Thursday and Friday are, are probably two of your busier days. They're busy. They're busy. Yeah, definitely. And Saturday you have a little session in the morning and you know, depending on whether we have crowds or sponsors there, um, you know, the afternoon on a Saturday can be like last year, we did nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. Did a session at eight o'clock in the morning and then you got the shootout at five o'clock, which obviously the main driver tackles. Um, so you, you're just sitting around. So, you know, as a co-driver, I don't think it's a big deal having another category there. The the driving style, yep, it could be a bit of a challenge. Um, but when you add in like what Moff's doing, three different, completely different cars, um, you know, and just the, the time it's going to take. And we haven't had any racing this year. So no one's got any miles under the belt. They're not race fit. And then suddenly you're going to do triple duties. Um, it's a lot to take on. Mm, yeah, interesting. And I, I hope everyone gets to do, you know, as much as they're comfortable with. I don't think any supercars teams are really going nah. to clamp down. I can't imagine... I would imagine like someone like uh, Shane Van Giesbergen won't do GT World Challenge. That's gonna, fair. I'd stick my neck out and say that that, particularly because so cha- championship might be on the line. Ah, yeah. But why would Moster do it then as like do TCR and do, you know, GT World Challenge and supercars then if mm. SVG shouldn't? Mm. I think if you're a main driver, you should just stick to doing that for the weekend. That's your primary role. Um, co-driver, I think it's a bit different. Right. Um, okay. so I will take those GT World Challenge drives. Right. Thank you. Okay, Thank cool. You. Okay, so if you got to choose between driving the 888 Mercedes mm. or the or one of MPC's Audis replacing Mostert, which one are you going to take, Audi or Mercedes? Look, I, I do have a soft spot for the Mercedes because I've, oh. I've had, a, had a pretty good run in those those rigs. You and the um, Prince. You and the Prince. Yeah, yeah, we're besties. Sweet. We're not. I just follow him on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. But there was the chat um, with my good friend Adrian Dietz um, that he was going to run the Lambo at Bathurst. And I was going to run with him earlier in the year um, at, at Easter and join him for that event. Um, so that was on the cards to race with him um, at, at Bathurst later the, in the year. But I don't think it's going to work out that way. So um, maybe another time. Maybe another time. Great. Yeah, we okay. go. Well, we'll see. That uh, certainly is going to be an amazing event. Six days at Mount mm. Panorama. Yeah, but if, but everyone, what, what will, else be, happens, everyone will be busy, and I'm stressed about how it might actually work out. But let's see. Uh, before we get to Mount Panorama, supercars have to run four more rounds of their series to uh, complete their obligations for TV, um, uh, and that's worth. That's worth big dollars. So they need to make sure that those four rounds go ahead. And just in the ARG side as well, they'd also like to complete two more rounds of their championships as well for TCR, Trans Am, Touring Car Masters. Uh, there's there's a bit to go on there as well. So yes, please. in supercars, the plan at the moment, according to a story in Auto Action, which broke, I believe it was just before the six-day Bathurst Bonanza was announced, was that all the supercars teams from Melbourne would fly to the Gold Coast and hub, uh, like the NRL and like the AFL have done, 
all of them would be in one hotel for two weeks and then they'd go to Queensland Raceway, do two rounds at Queensland Raceway, one on one weekend, one on the following one. I believe the, the second one would be under lights. Uh, and then we'd um, then head to Sydney Motorsport Park for exactly the same thing. Well, I think it'd be a week off and then one at Sydney and then the following week at Sydney as well under lights so so what happened there because i haven't heard any of this information well you and i don't to... i don't get auto action or subscribe to it or anything well it's online so you don't need to yeah. get it if you just no, need to well, i don't subscribe it. to it i don't subscribe well, to it so okay. what happened was that released on the auto action well they uh, wrote it they wrote or... a they wrote a there was no quotes it was their sources told them so where do they the get this information from though Oh, I, I don't think so. The story was written by Mark Fogarty. He's oh, been in the, mate, he's been that in the sport guy, for fifty years. That guy, he doesn't just pluck. The, he just doesn't pluck these things out of the middle of the air. Like, or <laughs> hey, we should have got him on to talk about it. Well, possibly, but yeah, we read his story, and I've just told you the basis of it. So there you go, there you go. Well, let's hope that happens. You know, Fogs was rounds. part. Fogs was part of the most listened episode of mm. Parked Up. The, pre, mm, the, the Bathurst pre, preview. The, well, the preview to this year's Supercars Championship. Ah, okay, yeah. Before, yep, yep. the, before the Mount Panorama 500, yes. There you go. It will be interesting to see what happens, um, not only from a Supercar point of view and what rounds that they um, are going to try and do, but from an ARG point of view, what mm. you're saying they want to do two more rounds, that include Bathurst? And another yeah, two round. more rounds plus the season finale at Bathurst, which would then mean that Ooh. in new TCR land, you would have done seven rounds if if that so, can be. So the where case. are these other rounds? Well, I don't know. He won't me. tell us. He's not going to tell us. I can't tell. He will you. not tell. He fuck. He knows. <laughs> there's lots. You have of, to, you have to bleep out that swear word, by the way. But um, you definitely. What was know. the swear word? Did you just swear? Did I swear? Yes. No, I did. What'd you say? I didn't even hear it. I'm not listening well, to you. I gave up. <laughs> I gave up listening to you as you're trying to pilfer information out of me. I'm trying to get information out of you because uh, you definitely know what's going Look, on. But the you plan. Won't the, tell me. No, for sure. The plan for ARG is to try and complete and try and get the the double round concept that was mm. confirmed, but unfortunately cancelled for the bend the talent which, bend which would have seen two look two events happen over the one week two rounds happen over the one weekend ah fair enough fair enough look it would be good to know sooner rather than later i know that um, okay. you know they've got they've got other people to please but from a competitor's point of view we need to know whether we're going to do two more rounds or three um because there's a hell of a lot of difference in the price that um you got to raise the sponsorship you got to raise to go racing so mm -hmm. uh that doesn't just get plucked out of the air. Okay. All so right. if you could pass that on to, uh, well, you've just passed know. it on to our thousands of listeners. So I'm um, sure, I'm sure that yeah, management ARG are not listening. They're not listening. No, but, there's, um, a, there's a couple of ARG types who listen to our yeah? dribble. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hello good. To, hello to those people. Well, if you're listening, guys, um, if you could just let me know, because I've just got to um, work out how much money I've got to find to go racing. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah, so that I guess that's the big ticket. Now that we know what's happening with Bathurst, we really hope that that can run at its at the absolute best. As we record this today, Dan Andrews and the uh, Victorian government came out with a new roadmap out of uh, the current lockdowns that we've got down in the southern part of the land and 
really it wasn't much to get too excited about. So uh, that's a uh, that's a little bit of a shame. But it seems like we are going to get to go racing pretty soon. Anyway, uh, while we while we're not racing. There is some racing happening around the world and in the IndyCar Championship, mm. which was held over the weekend at, where was it at, Tony? Laguna Seca. Oh, an absolute classic. And Best. It, it is a, it's an awesome track. And at that track, it was Colton Herter who took a great win from Alex Palau and Romain Grosjean finished in third place, having executed an amazing pass to secure that place in a uh, sort of Alex Zanardi-esque passing maneuver at the corkscrew to uh, to take that unfortunately that podium finish for Romain means that he's narrowed the gap significantly to scott mclaughlin in that uh, rookie of the year prize and uh, mclaughlin finished down in 12th he topped a practice session so not all bad signs for scotty mack but uh, that gap in that rookie uh, rookie deal is pretty close now and in MotoGP, it was Francesco Bagnaia who uh, took his second MotoGP win in a row, this time at the San Marino Grand Prix, while Aussie Jack Miller was in fourth. So there you go, Tony. While we aren't racing here, there is still some good stuff happening all around the world, IndyCar, MotoGP, and a bunch of other stuff. Okay, let's get into the crux of this episode. It's three of the best young girls that operate uh, in the Australian motorsport scene. And first up, we've got Shannon Keeley. Now, Shannon has been involved in the sport for a very, very long time. She is the stepdaughter of Wayne Miles, who was part of the Speedway and even supercars scene in the noughties and in the early 2010s. He actually gave Chaz Boston his very first drive in a V8 supercar in the in the Super 2 series back in 2010, I think it was Tony D. So Shannon's there been you go. involved. I didn't know that. Shannon's been involved in the sport for quite a long time. And she has come through the ranks. She's worked for various supercars teams, including Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport. She worked at Walkinshaw Andretti. And now she is the managing director of Erebus Motorsport a pretty high profile role in the sport and for such a young lass she does a uh, does an amazing job she's also the partner of scott pie as well she would live and breathe motorsport in particular supercars so she's definitely an excellent candidate to kick off our all ladies episode of parked up and here she is shannon keely on the parked up podcast and of course we're powered by racefields and it's great to have Shannon Keeley from Erebus Motorsport, the managing director of the Melbourne-based team, join us on the Parked Up pod. Shannon, how are you? Good, thanks. Thank you very much for having me. How are you guys? We are fantastic. Excellent. Look at us. You can see us and we look fantastic. We look like we're thriving in Melbourne lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're slowly coming out of this thing and it sort of means that we might get to go racing at some point soon. I know there's there's still lots of balls in the air, but um, the, the sense that we're going back is uh, it's, it's kind of honest. Are, 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 you, uh, are you pumped? Are you excited? 
Definitely excited. I think um, anyone that sort of works in the motorsport world is certainly used to um, not a normal nine to five uh, working week and certainly not a nine to five working week where you're working inside your house too. So um, I guess sort of breaking up the monotony of that um, and getting to racetracks is what we love. So we're very eager to get back. It's been a long time, but hopefully it's uh, not in the too distant future. Yeah, I guess the, uh, the the we know when Bathurst is going to happen, and you can just imagine there that race will happen. They're yeah. going to make the Bathurst one thousand happen. Uh, the, the events before that, the four other events that they need to do to tick the boxes, and um, you know, I guess I guess uh, you know a lot of uh, inside the industry, we always talk about you know we have to do these five races because that's what the TV deal is for. And of course, that's where all the money is at. But, um, you know, we just want to go back racing to feel normal again. We want to do it for the fans as well to uh, get everyone sort of, you know, end end the year as best we can. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. Do you, do you reckon we're going to tick these other races off? What's the, the vibe from Teamland like? Uh, I think so. I, I think, you know, there was obviously a lot of... Um, I suppose fans are curious and wondering why uh, when we left Townsville and came home to a lockdown Melbourne, what we were doing and why we didn't just keep the show on the road like we did last year. Um, though we were obviously a fair way into the season and, and tick the boxes we needed to and obviously pushing back big events like Bathurst, like, you know, regardless of contracts and, and TV um, deals and things like that, like we'll all agree that Bathurst just has to happen. So, um, you know, pushing everything back um, obviously now Bathurst in December means that we can ho hopefully have the greatest race of the year as great as it possibly can with fans, um, you know, and, and have it um, at, at the best of its ability. So um, obviously that was a priority. And then if we can, you know, work the other four rounds um, in the lead up to that, um, then it obviously just gives, I guess, each event the greatest ability to be able to have fans and, and interactions. Obviously we're a sport where, uh, drivers and teams are very accessible to fans and I think people love that so without that like we saw some of the rounds last year it wasn't the same and you know even teams miss that interaction so obviously putting it back um, later into the year and breaking the season basically into two um, gives us that the best ability to do that but then obviously supercars are it's given them time to work out all the hurdles with obviously not just um, you know, racetracks and, and event staff, but different departments of health. And obviously we know that uh, Australia is sort of, each state is very different at the moment. So each one has its different hurdles. So it's allowed supercars to work through that and then obviously create the, the best possible um, end of season that we can have. Yeah, we're all got our fingers crossed that we get to that Bathurst 1000. I know as a, as a co-driver, um, it's a highlight of my year, but I think for a lot of fans, you know, it's it's their highlight. And if we can actually have people at the track, um, it's going to be amazing because you're right, last year for the Bathurst 1000, it was so bizarre having so, so little fans at the circuit. Um, so let's let's all have our fingers crossed for that one. Now, Shannon, you are the partner of Scotty Pye. Uh, the better better partner, I should say. Thank um, you. <laughs> <make that> clear. <laughs> but um, you spoke about uh, at the beginning there, spending so much time at home. Now, you guys are generally on the road and you're doing mm. your different things because obviously Scott races for a different team. Um, how's it been actually spending so much time together in the one household in lockdown? Well, I suppose it's... Um... 
It's been good, um, though. To be very honest, <laughs> I've really sold that, haven't I? That's good. Um, That's good for the relation, the longevity of the relationship. Once that Renault yeah. sounded a bit better, but um, I guess I, to be completely frank, I lock myself in the office and, and get my jobs done. And I've kicked him. We've only got one office, so I kick him out into the dining room. Um, and that's where he works. And then, to be honest, he's also on the simulator. So I'll be lucky if I get a word in sometimes. So just because we're home in the same household together doesn't mean we're actually seeing each other that much. Um, you know, on a Wednesday, he basically disappears for the entire day. And I'll talk to him about 10 o'clock at night when he gets off the sim. So or when he you know, wants food. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's been good. Um, but yeah, I guess. Uh, we are working in separate areas because we don't have to want to uh, talk over each other. But at the same time, our um, I suppose what we're doing, you know, he's a driver. I'm I'm looking after the operational um, commercial side of a business. So our, our jobs are very different as well. Um, so it's not like, um, you know, we're completely competing against each other. Although we are competitors in teams, we're not mm. competing against each other in terms of what our actual job is as well. So... I suppose you, it works in that sense. Do you do you try and switch off at the end of the night, like talk no nothing about car racing or teams or um, any of that sort of motorsport stuff? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, I guess you have to with it. I think any jo- job you want to be able to switch off, whether your partner's in the same uh, working industry or not. Um, obviously, sometimes you'll have event, and I'm sure you know at the end of last Wednesday TD when you were apparently holding off and blocking him and he was <laughs> me after E-Series. Um, he has a little vent and then we have some ice cream when we go to bed. But, um, it, it's pretty normal, to be honest. I suppose um, the positive is, is that we both understand each other's industry. So it makes it a little bit easier, I think, in that sense. Um, the travel, uh, the, the pressures of the industry as well, it certainly makes it easy. And the fact that we understand it entirely because we're both in it. <coughs> I was going to mention the sim racing um, because he did take me out of the race and I told him I was going to protest. I was going to protest. No, I actually was holding him up and uh, he got a bit of a run on me and I thought I had enough room just to block him, but there was a bit of overlap and he sent me into the fence. So um, I'm still, still got a broken arm. So he's like, you know, this, you know, a few colorful words and, and then <laughs> your way and then later realized who you are and actually felt quite bad but <laughs> <laughs> oh it's the most frustrating thing though. ever because i do the same thing try and spend a few hours getting ready for the race and then you get crashed out at the start or something like that and it, it's it is very much like the real world you, you have that competitive side of things and I know Steph um, is absolutely sick of this sim racing because I end up so grumpy at the end of it. And I can imagine Scotty's the same um, when things don't go his way. Definitely. And that's probably the difference um, that I'm finding is that now I'm here for him to be able to vent to at the end of a Wednesday night. Whereas usually it's, you know, we go away on on a Thursday morning or something for an event. And then I don't see him maybe till Sunday night or Monday and he's sort of half over it by then. So I'm probably getting more of, um, you know, that inventing side than I usually have. <laughs> Shannon, have you jumped in the simulator yourself and had a go? How's your uh, I've had a, a coached lap around Bathurst. I think, you know, two or, two or three laps realise it's really quite difficult. I was lucky to make it out of pit lane without, you know, spinning off. So um, that, that's where mine will end. But um, 
you know, I'll leave it to the pros. Luckily, uh, Brody is doing a very good job. Yeah, us, he's a gun. And, you know, we've got a few guns in there, so we're doing pretty well. I'll leave it to those guys. <laughs> hey, just before we talk about Erebus Motorsport, I guess the fact that uh, yourself and Scott both operate in the sport, but for different teams is one of um, the fun things that you guys, um, the fun thing that you have in common at the very least. But it also brings some challenges as well, especially when, you know, things are going on in the team and generally you wouldn't be able to tell another a person from another team what, what's going on. So uh, what's the dynamic like at home when it does when it does come to that? I suppose we've been very lucky in the sense that, um, you know, as I said before, we, we might have a bad day and, you know, vent to each other that we've had a bad day for, for whatever reason that is, but we might know that won't necessarily go into detail as, as to the specifics of what's going on. Cause as you said, you know, there are different teams. So um, we don't, uh, you know, dive, dive too far into it if there's things that, you know, shouldn't be known. Um, but then, as I said before, luckily, I suppose we're um, in very different industries, whereas, you know, well, not industry, sorry, uh, roles in the team. So, you know, Scott's uh, looking to make the car go faster and how he's going to find, you know, tenths of a second around a racetrack. Whereas if he decides to describe any of that to me, I'll be completely frank and I don't know a thing about what he's talking about. But if, it, if it's com the commercial aspect or the operational aspect of the team, then that's, um, you know, where... Uh, you know where my role lays so that's what I'm focusing on so you know the things that he's um, necessarily focused on are completely different to mine and I think that's where it works whereas you know we're not competing directly um, where we're actually, you know I'm not an engineer I don't know how to make the car go fast so <laughs> I don't know any of that and I'll be you know completely completely honest there there's obviously people in our race team that do know how to do that and would you know understand what, what Scott's trying to do um, but, you know, I know where my strengths are um, and, that, and that's what I'm trying to achieve. I suppose the closest thing it might be is, you know, he, if we land a sponsor and that his team was trying to get or, the, or vice versa, that's probably the closest that we'll ever get to, you know, directly competing against each other. So you're saying if you were a racing driver yourself, the dynamic might be a little bit different. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty good on the sim. I'm probably, you know, just as good as Scott. <laughs> probably, probably better than me. <laughs> but yeah, hey. I think, yeah, we're not completely direct, um, completely um, competing against each other. Mm. So I think that's how that dynamic sort of works at home. Hey, Shannon, can we wind the clock back a little bit? And you, can you talk to us about how you got involved in supercars or in motorsport? Um, yep. What was your pathway through? Um, so I was, I guess born and bred around um, motorsport of some sort, I actually ended up uh, spending my childhood around speedway tracks. My uh, stepdad and mum sponsored Stone Brothers Racing back in the day, um, which obviously then forged to become Erebus Motorsport. So it's, it's weird how that mm. sort of evolved. Um, and, uh, you know, ran Super 2 for a couple of years um, with Ash Walsh and Chaz Mostert. So was sort of that's when I was in my um, uni years so it sort of opened my world and my eyes up to where um, you know my degree could potentially take me and basically straight out of uni and even while I was still at uni did some interning uh, at Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport then and you know basically never left um, you know did my did an internship there and then started full-time as soon as I uh, 
finished uni and moved to Melbourne and, and have been in the sport ever since. Obviously, um, did some time at Lucas Dunbar Motorsport, wall control racing, which I worked with you two, TD, and then um, ended up at Erebus Motorsport and really just, I guess, found my home there and, um, you know, I guess, found a way to sort of thrive and really, um, I think I really enjoyed um, the small team, the really small knit team and, and the ability to be able to really, um, you know, take everything on board and really thrive with, with any project sort of thing. And that sort of um, allowed me to be able to, uh, you know, show my potential, I suppose. Do you think that um, the fact that Betty is the owner of the team, um, that's why you feel so comfortable within that environment? Um, but Betty's very, I guess, you know, she's like the mother of the team. She's very maternal. It's definitely her family. Um, you know, so it's certainly a different atmosphere to what I've experienced other teams. Um, though in saying that, Betty was actually one of the ones that said to me early that, you know, motorsport is gender neutral. It doesn't matter. And I think that's, you know, any industry really. It doesn't matter whether you're female or male. If you're the best person for the job, then you should have the job. So, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, Betty's brought me in and it's, it's been easier because we're both female. Um, but I think we've just obviously both shared that view and I've always been very passionate um, and, and wanted to do the best uh, for, for, for everyone, but then obviously her as well, having a very good relationship. So, yeah. Awesome, Shannon. Well, we do. Uh, we definitely do want to see uh, more girls involved or more females involved in the sport. Of course, it always gets looked at as a bit of a bit of a boys' world, a bit of a man's world, uh, which is a little bit of a shame. And um, I think the sentiments that you just gave there—you know, the best person for the job, you know, regard, regardless of gender—is um, most important. So uh, we definitely like to see um, more come through. And later in this episode, we're going to speak to a couple more. Uh, ladies of our sport, where what um, what jobs in our sport do you think there's more scope for growth in the uh, female participation? I think obviously, you know, looking around pit lane, it's there's generally more females within your your commercial um, administration sort of side of of the team. But then you know you're seeing more and more females pop up as mechanics and engineers. Um, in the last few years, or certainly since I've joined the sport sort of, you know, eight years ago. So, um, you know, th there's more and more opportunity um, popping up. I'd love to see another driver again like Simona, but, you know, not sure if we will, we will anytime soon. But, you know, whether whatever um, role they are playing, it's obviously good to see um, more and more females um, coming into the sport. And I think it's also about just, you know, I was lucky that I was around motorsport from a very young age. So, to me, the opportunity was obviously in front of me. Whereas I think, you know, there's there's females out there that may absolutely love um, any role that we may have on offer um, in motorsport. Obviously, you know, it's very similar to any other industry, really, um, or, or any other sort of sports um, with, you know, more of a mechanical side, though, I suppose. Um, but, you know, opening up young girls' um, eyes to see that there is op an opportunity. So, you know, programs like girls on track um, that's run through the FIA um, and, and that sort of creates those opportunities and and uh, creates that pathway from sort of STEM uh, STEM subjects at school and things like that like I certainly wasn't um, aware of anything like that at school it was just my eyes were open from a different area but 
it's great to see that, you know, there's programs there that it's just sort of putting that, um, you know, it's not necessarily that, that it's up, it's for every girl. And, you know, I'm certainly, as I said, I'm not one to make a car go faster. So I'm not going to go be a mechanic or an engineer, but there's certainly girls out there that would absolutely love that. Now, one awesome. last question from me, Shannon. Yes, um, just, just wondering if you've done any half marathons lately. <laughs> I have actually, it was in lockdown. It wasn't very exciting, but um, for anyone that doesn't know my first half marathon, which I think would have been like, what, 2014 or something TD? Uh, I think it was 16. 16. Okay. Well, I, I rocked up like, you know, months of training, you know, got gels in my little, you know, belt thing and pd rocks up with this little pump pack that looks like it was oscars and a snickers bar and he's like i'm ready to go i've done no training and absolutely smashed us all so it's taken me what like five years to finally beat your time td oh did you <laughs> i did oh well done thank you congratulations Hang oh, on. I so what, was the, what was the time the what was the time no um 141 I think sounds about right. Like yeah. Hour 41. Yeah. So nice. I think my first one was over two hours and, you know, TD me, but you know, on a Snickers bar and a, and a pump bottle of water <laughs> or like those little juice pop things you get that kids get in like a happy meal. That's basically what he rocked up with. <laughs> yeah. I was very underprepared that day. Um, and I remember hurting, but like the last sort of five or six, at least five or six Ks, I was like healing. My legs were buggered, but you sort of get like that adrenaline rush going and you just keep pushing along. So, but I haven't done one since. So uh, well, maybe it's about maybe, time. Yeah. Maybe I should start training again for one. Yeah. We can, you but know, nothing else to do. We have a parked up podcast, like, you know, branding. Yes. Hoffman, Grant, yeah. you could do it too. Yeah. You should work, Shannon, you should work in commercial. <laughs> you can work in parked up's commercial department. Perfect. <laughs> can't pay you much, but uh, it's for the love. TD might have some spare sneakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Shannon, we thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up. We can't wait to see you at a racetrack, hopefully soon. Hopefully, very soon. Uh, uh, but until then, uh, again, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, guys. Have a very good week. Thanks very much. Cheers. And we thank Shannon for joining us. Now, Tony D, we have a lady who gets to spend a little bit of time with us away from the track uh, because we are both professional athletes. We, we get to go see other human beings, even though we're not really meant to during this lockdown period. Her name's she, Nicole Bryant. She's the only one that's allowed to put her hands all over me uh, other than my wife. She's right. the only one. Doesn't sound inappropriate at all. It's fantastic. She's she's magic ab- hands, magic hands. She's absolute. Uh, she's an absolute jet. Uh, she works for the Walkinshaw and Dreddy United team as their uh, physiotherapist and as their trainer, and puts their drivers and crew through torturous tests uh, to make sure that they're fit and ready for the uh, for the racing. We spoke to her recently. And when we did it, we recorded it, and now we're going to play it. So here she is. It's Nicole Bryant on the Parked Up Podcast. Hey, and it's great to have Nicole Bryant from Highline Active with us on the Parked Up Podcast. Nicole is the physiotherapist and trainer to many of the stars that compete in supercars uh, and all through Australian motorsport. Nicole, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Hey, no worries. So, so Nicole, uh, just give us a little background on yourself and how you uh, sort of ended up in this uh, crazy world of um, of motorsports. Sure. So, um, I've been a physiotherapist um, for a really long time, sort of verging on a couple of decades. Um, and I used to work when I first graduated. I worked at the Alfred in sort of trauma. Um, and got a real interest in that and, and orthopedics and then went to work in private practice and I've worked in a lot of different sports, so from football to gymnastics, triathlon, um, sort of over the years and then I had an interest in ergonomics at one point. I actually looked after some of the staff at Virgin Australia on site, um, so sort of developed different skills in those areas and then I was actually at um, a racetrack with just three friends um, actually knowing um, Anthony Contarino um, and hanging out a bit with um, getting to know the Winterbottoms. And um, at the time, uh, Andre Heimgartner was racing at Superblack, um, getting some leg numbness issues. Um, and I just had said, can, can I help? Like, you know, he'd suffered for quite a number of years and hadn't really done anything about it. So I sort of helped treat him that weekend and got a bit better and then it all just sort of went from there I guess I just got more interested and learned a bit more about the sport and where my skills could apply and just really enjoyed the the types of athletes and the problem solving element to it. Now Nicole you've uh, been doing a little bit of work on myself recently Um, I've had a bit of a calf issue which I've been just sent around town trying to uh, you know Get on top of this problem but you're the only one that's actually diagnosed it properly and I can actually run again thank you for that so well done um, but not only uh, are you have you been looking after me but you've been looking after Grant as well so even you know the the stars in media and journalism get these injuries that can be treated by you um, at, at a race meeting but we're not going to one at the moment but um, you're pretty handy um, I should say with your hands <laughs> with uh, around uh, Grant's little groin area there. Um, can you tell us about Grant's uh, diagnosis? Or I'm you not sure if anyone... Confidential? No, no, I don't yeah, know if anyone really needs to know. a little bit of a confidential space, I guess. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Nothing's no, confidential on Parked Up. Everyone, no, has, everyone has issues, you know, whether you're exercising or not. So we, we treat all musculoskeletal problems and everyone's playing sport or being active. So usually something crops up from time to time. But how did Grant get this groin injury? <laughs> it was, I was slide tackling in a game of futsal and we have talked about this before and it seems to, <laughs> I, I, I guess I've uh, tried to hope that this wasn't a hernia, but um, Nicole seems convinced that that's the, uh, that that's the case. So. Well, which is a possibility. We'll just, we, I like to exclude options that we might be concerned about early on so that we don't have to worry about them down the track so it's all about getting the really accurate diagnosis first up rather than wasting time yeah tony just likes talking about my groin area which i think is really odd but that's fine okay. that's that's it had tony. to be spoken about today okay <laughs> we got that we got through that now so, so Nicole, you work uh, and do a lot of stuff with the Walkinshaw Andretti United team, both their drivers, Chas Most at Bryce Forward, and the entire squad as well. That they all have to endure various levels of physical activity to do their job at the very best level. What is like a typical week or race weekend look like with um, your role for them? Yeah, sure. So. 
yeah, I came on board with um, WAU at the start of 2020 and the plan was, yeah, that we would have a lot more, I would have a lot more involvement with the crew in terms of getting them um, fitter and healthier and, um, and able to perform better and perform pit stops better. So yeah, at a race weekend, I look after the drivers and the crew. So I guess it's about any um, injury assessments, treatment, any niggles anyone's getting, keeping on top of those. Um, I do, we'll do warm-ups with the crew, um, just make sure everyone's hydrated and eating. So making sure they've had enough um, yeah, intake of nutrition. Often they get super busy and they miss lunch or whatever. So I'll make sure that, that everyone's had what they need. Um, so... Yeah, I was obviously all the recovery stuff with the drivers, their sort of ice baths and their, you know, recovery, hydration and nutrition, any sort of, um, you know, mental prep stuff or recovery stuff that comes up. Um, so obviously my background is that I'm a physio, I'm also a strength and conditioning coach. So I have an, an, a level of expertise in that. And then I'll often consult with, you know, some consultants, sort of uh, sports dietitians, sports psychologists who we might bring in to, to do more sports specific stuff and then I'll, I'll help follow those plans on race weekends. I absolutely love this because a lot of race teams overlook this side of things. They spend a lot of money on equipment, trying to engineer the car, trying to find the last 10th of a second, but they forget about the human element. And I guess that what that, that's what, that's what you're bringing to the team. Um, because in those pit stops, you know, those guys really can make a difference and, you know, if they're struggling with a niggly groin injury like Grant is, um, yeah. or they're, they're just not feeling well in themselves, you're there to try and help guide them um, with their nutrition or hydration or trying to get themselves back on track. And it can be a really big benefit. So not all teams take um, that side of things so serious. So it's really good to see that Walkinshaw and Dreddy United are trying to tick every box along the way. Cause I think it can be a massive benefit and not just to the drivers, um, everyone sort of focused on the drivers, fitness and health, but um, there's such a big effort there from the team as well. So do you spend you know, time, would you put a training program together for the team that they've got to um, you know, look after themselves or would you go into the workshop and actually train them uh, on yeah, a weekly a basis? A bit of both. So um, I usually go to the workshop twice a week and we and run the guys through a training session. They've got a gym uh, at the workshop, which is great. So we, we do that with the pit crew. Um, twice a week and then usually try and give them a few key things to do on the off days um, and but of late we sort of haven't haven't with COVID we haven't been doing that so the guys have been doing some home programs so basically been been still trying to progress things and and you know and the the pit stop times of, of the walk and crew have, have just kept improving and they're you know they're sitting second in the um you know the pit stop um um challenge yeah. at the moment so yep. you know the, the the proof is there and then and it's been great sort of watching the guys sort of start to really see themselves as athletes as well which is has been sort of my big aim yeah as you said they if you've got a sore shoulder or sore knee and you get sudden pain in a pit stop you, you know you drop a wheel you're just not as fast as you need to be and that's crucial hey grant yeah. i was actually lucky yeah. enough to go over to the u.s and spend a bit of time with the penske crew and I got to see them doing some pit stop practice with their NASCAR team. And a lot of the um, team members are ex-football players. So they were actually athletes, you know, yeah, and then wow. they may have been injured before and they can't continue playing football. So they've 
they've recruited them into um, the race car side of things. Um, and they are like treated like race car drivers, like full athletes. They train every single day. And when they're not training, like changing wheels and perfecting that side of things, they're in the gym, just like a, a race car driver would be. So what you're trying to do is replicate all around the world in these high profile uh, motorsport teams. Um, and like I said before, we, we don't take it quite as seriously and maybe the budget isn't there to do it like that. Um, but there is definitely a need for it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's I think my knowledge also is that even the F1 um, pit crews, they only got like a physio and strength and conditioning coaches maybe about five years ago. So, um, and they've, you know, come a long way as well. So, yeah, definitely. It's I mean, I think motorsport, we're a little bit behind in terms of sports medicine and strength and conditioning, say, to what, you know, AFL teams are, you know, the Feature Institute of Sport, there's heaps of money, heaps of, you know, um, sports medicine professionals at their disposal. And we're, we're, we're getting there. Like, we just, we haven't had those programs in place for as long as always other sports have. Mm. Hey, Nicole, it's been great to have you on the Parked Up podcast. I've got uh, one last question for you. I've spoken about with this with you before, but the very first time that um, uh, I realised that you were part of the scene was a little race up at that mountain in Bathurst. It was 2018. <laughs> And you were, you featured a lot on TV that day. You were a part of, you were working with David Reynolds, then Erebus Motorsport. And he was having some real drama with his legs. And the reason why it was really high profile was because he was at the time, he was also leading the race uh, and was looking pretty good to go back to back in that race. And um, that was the major talking point of that event that, um, that, that David had uh, not, was leading not able to win and uh, because he was having some pretty bad cramps in his left foot i'll let you you can tell a little bit more about that but yeah that was really the first time that we saw you because yeah you were the one who was sort of thrust into that um into the spotlight there to to try and help him uh get get through that can you just recall a little bit of some of that drama that unfolded on that day yeah, I mean, obviously he was in the car and he sort of started reporting that his, his, you know, one foot was cramping and then he ended up having cramps in both feet um, and his calves. Um, and, yeah, so it was obviously an, an, you know, an awful day for all of us to, you know, be a part of. Um, Thanks for bringing it up, Grant. That's yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> one year before, I guess. Um, but, you know, it just shows you that the athletes are not, you know, they're, they're not invincible and, and perfect preparation is really what's essential in terms of mental and physical performance. And David had, I think, I can't remember what the stat was, but it was some crazy number of appearances in that like four weeks prior. Um, and, and, and every athlete's different in terms of how much rest they need, whether they get their energy sapped from appearances or, you know, what, what specifically their diet, their sleep, everything they need. And Dave's always been pretty open that he needs everything to be pretty perfect. Otherwise it really drains, drains him. And that's was ultimately sort of what, what happened. He just didn't, it wasn't necessarily just hydration or just nutrition. It was, it was fatigue of, of, of everything really mental, physical. So, yeah, I mean, I actually remember the year before the year that Dave and, and Luke won, we'd had, we'd actually blocked out about a few hours on the Saturday afternoon. And I'd actually put them, we had a camper van there and put them, put the guys to bed basically and, and <laughs> shut the door and 
and said, you know, everyone needs to leave, let them have a rest. And then the, the, the year later, you know, obviously when you're the reigning champions, the, the demands on your time, you just, you're not getting that rest. So, yeah, that was sort of the conclusion that we came to. Yeah, well, um, it uh, certainly made for some exciting TV and a, uh, a, a nice twist to that event. But, um, uh, yeah, as you'd sort of said, maybe a, uh, you wish it, you didn't have to do too much work on that yeah. day and you could have just uh, drank some champagne at the end of it all. Yeah, but, it would have um, been nice. I think the tough thing when, when it starts to unfold like that is you can't, there's not a lot you can do to, to, to chase yeah. it. You know, you, the, the preparation has, has already been, you know, been done so um but my role then is, is usually just you know support and rec recovery um as as best as possible so yeah do you think that was a bit of a turning point for dave to and the team to maybe take some of that stuff you know, more serious i mean i know dave he definitely takes his fitness seriously um you know i've been on many many bike rides with dave and he's very strong and fit and um, but yeah, maybe take a look at some of those one percenters leading into a big race like that. Um, I'm sure it would have taken him by surprise. Yeah, a hundred percent. And look, the team were great. Like we all, you know, I, mean, I had a, had a good chat to, um, to, to Barry afterwards and we sat down and we all tried to work out, you know, like, what do we need to assess firstly when things go wrong? What do you need to assess and how can we improve it? And we came up with a bunch of different ideas of things that we thought we needed to look at, um, and so we did, you know, and, and um, you know, physical stuff with Dave and there was, you know, stuff that we're analysing in terms of temperatures with the car and, and stuff like that. So we really, really looked at everything and tried to work out, you know, how, how to make sure it doesn't happen again, I guess. So, yeah, you do learn from it. Cool, Nicole. Great insights. And we thank you so much for joining us on the Parked Up podcast. Uh, Tony and I will see you um, soon. <laughs> we'll see you soon to try and fix our aging bodies we'll get there you, you guys are getting there so we'll press on <laughs> no, no, doing a great Thanks job great job <laughs> pleasure thanks for coming on board and we thank nicole for joining us on the parked up podcast now our last guest tony d will be Tanea McLeod, she works in my world in the motorsport media. She is an excellent videographer uh, and um, I actually give her the honour of coming to work for me over some, some race weekends. Lucky she, her. <laughs> I'm not really sure that's the case. But she, will, uh, she does uh, an extremely good job, not just in videography, but she also does a lot of online marketing and uh, her bits of expertise for just 23 years old is very good. She's been hanging around the sport for quite some time. So let's uh, just throw some questions at her, she, see how she goes. It's Tanae McLeod on Parked Up. And it is an absolute privilege to have one of Australian motorsports leading ladies join us for uh, to, to finalise, to wrap up our, uh, our ladies in the game chat. Uh, we've got Tanae McLeod who is a videographer. She's a digital expert. She makes um, many parts of my business look absolutely amazing. And she's joined us for a very quick chat. Tanea, thank you for coming on. Thanks for finally having me on, guys. I have <laughs> had serious Instagram DMs, about three of them, asking when my parked up podcast debut was going to be. And here it is. So give the people what they want. 
This is what they oh. want. We give you enough. We give you enough airtime. I'm sure you've picked up a ton of jobs based on the uh, the, the excellent um, you know references that we give you on Parked Up. Is that right? You guys just talk about how you pay for my steak. That's that's the biggest <laughs> the biggest call out I got is that Grant pays for my fifty dollar eye fillet steak. And thanks, Grant. Yes, you do. And it was delicious as well, if I recall. That was a bit of a Townsville, a Townsville treat. Otherwise, when we go to the tracks, I just make uh, make us eat Mackey D's. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, the network uh, bar is set quite low, but um, <laughs> it's okay. The Townsville steak balances it out. I'm cool. I'm cool. Okay, so uh, so your role is um, is videography. Certainly, that's how I. Um, originally met you and uh, how we uh, began to do some dealings but you do uh for for a, a young lass only 23 years old you, you've got uh, such a great understanding of all things digital uh, tell us how you first got into uh into motorsport and videography and, and where it's taken you yeah so i think I've really been like lucky to sort of grow up, grow up around motorsport my whole life. Kind of got thrust into it when I was four, when my parents bought me a Wee 50 and we kind of spent the next 14 years of my life traveling around Australia, racing motorbikes and cars really wasn't ever on the horizon for me until in year nine in high school my high school maths teacher took us to Gold Coast 600 as a mass excursion. So the way. Oh, what a good guy. Right. Yeah. yeah, good. A girl, a girl. She was oh, a, girl. she was a volunteer for years and years and she ended up being like a secretary and stuff, but she also happened to be the head of our maths department at school. So shout out uh, Miss Mary out there. Um, and she got it past the principal by like printing out these books that was like, maths related stuff like how much fuel would you use if it burned this much per lap and there was this many laps and just like she had to just make up absolute just these random equations to try and get it passed as a, like a school excursion mark so, genie from race fuels would have loved to be part of that uh, little <laughs> little exercise little brand deal race fuels brand deal for grafton high school <laughs> uh and yeah and i did that and then kind of got Sort of, I mean, I always watched Bathurst, like you always watch Bathurst, but I never really had much else to do with it. So I was always away racing motorbikes on the weekend. And we did that at a pretty high level uh, when I was 16 and did like all the Australian titles and that sort of stuff. And yeah, around then also, I kind of realized that it's pretty damn hard to actually make anything as a chick in motorsport but motocross especially like there's just not really any platforms so I had to sort of decide whether I wanted to sort of chase that avenue over in America then I got hurt a lot and had a couple of injuries and stuff so around the time that I was injured I picked up a camera and started mucking around with the camera and took some photos and then started making some videos and at the time no one else was doing it so everyone was like I was making these horrendous videos like absolutely horrendous I watch them back now and I'm like how did I ever put this publicly out and it just <laughs> oh my god it's it's hard to watch but I started doing that and no one else was doing it so everyone was like these are sick like make more of these and then people started paying me like 20 bucks 50 bucks 
And then so yeah, similar I, to what Grant pays you now, really? Yes, yes. So about twenty dollars for Sim, similar to what I'd like to pay her right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm doing that, and then started actually volunteering at some supercars events. And I used to be a pit lane uh, person. Like every time a car goes past, you blow a whistle. Pretty much what I do. They're so oh. annoying. They're so annoying. <laughs> I'm looking for the footy game when that's going on. <laughs> like who just kicked the ball out or did someone just slide tackle someone yeah and, and would literally blow a whistle for like 12 hour days and just stand there and watch race cars so sounds delightful it was it was a lot it was um you certainly had to be a big race fan to be able to withstand that and then got into like the supercars media team and was a production runner that and then worked for a team and then yeah ended up somehow ending up working for grant oh, lucky I don't, know. I don't know if it's lucky is the right uh description but um look let, let's talk a little bit more about your journey because i can imagine being a female in motorsport uh, it's probably a very tough gig to get your start um, so it probably shows your true grit and determination about, you know, where you want to have your career. Um, do you have any stories along the way that you thought, you know, that you can tell us that, um, you know, maybe made you question your decision to get involved in motorsport uh, at this level? Yes. The, I don't really have like any stories about it, but just like for context, I was that passionate about it that, like for the first three years, like I didn't really make any money. Like I was, I was at uni in Melbourne and I was working a part-time job to pay for my flights and my accommodation to go to supercars events, to work like 40 or 50 hours and not make a cent. But I did that for a whole year. I did six rounds where I went to every single round by myself and just worked and then yeah, didn't, didn't get paid at all. And that was just, it was the gig. It was a volunteer role and I knew that. And the biggest thing that come out of that is I met the entire Supercars media team and, and I, like, I was taking them lunches. Like that was, what, that was my job. I was taking lunches to the commentators. I was running like run sheets to the producers. And, and that was like, like, <laughs> it was like a dream gig. It was so cool. And, and yeah, I guess that's how I started. But in the time, at the time, I didn't even think, about it I didn't think about the money I didn't really care about any of that sort of stuff because I was just so keen and so determined that that's what I was going to do I think my first gig rolled up to Winton I was 18 rolled up to Winton and one of the producer production assistant literally gives me Mark Scaife and I think it was Crompo's shirts to iron and they're these like fancy polos like like not polos, like the button-up shirts, but it would have been like real nice material. I don't even know what there was. And me at 18, I don't know how to use an iron. So I am in, <laughs> I'm in the talent shed on the phone to my mum asking her how I iron these shirts because if I burn it or if I do it wrong, like that's going on the broadcast. That's the shirts that they're wearing. And I'm like, mum, what if I burn it? So mum's like, just put it down really, really, really low. And just like, I probably stood there for like 90 minutes ironing these two shirts because <laughs> I was that, the it would have been maybe, the, the temperature of the iron would have been like five degrees. 
I was just so shit scared to <laughs> mess it up. So it took me like 90 minutes to iron these shirts. And that was my first, that was a Thursday at Winton, my first ever gig with Supercars Media. And that was, and I was like, I'm 18. I don't know how to use an iron. Like I'd moved out of home like six months ago. <laughs> like, See, this, is where this is where you're doing it wrong because you should have burnt them, like left a really nice imprint of an iron in the front. So like Scafey had no choice but to show it just so they would remember you right. when you knock on their door for their job later in, uh, later in your career. Right, of course. Oh I should have burnt the went, T-shirt. You went under the radar too much. That's why it's taking you three or four years to get there, you know? This, so this is why hilarious. this is why Tony doesn't do too many uh, career <laughs> advice uh, seminars. <laughs> um, but also good to know that you can do some ironing because, as you know, like I, I like to wear the finest of shirts to racetracks. <laughs> so you know, I overdress to the maximum. <laughs> Your body does the ironing for it. Yes, thank you for the, for the shirt. <clears throat> Uh, career Poor advice, career advice, and motivational speaker Tony Delberto. <laughs> so, so Tanea, uh, the the first thing I guess that when I think of your skills, it's about the videography, but it's not just about that. You've got a great eye for for what what you can do with the camera, but your editing is also amazing as well. And you know, we've worked on a for a bunch of my different clients, even some of your clients as well. And I've seen some of, some of your work and it's, I see a lot of your work and it, it's awesome. Did you, I don't know, when did you, you know, you'd sort of said that you'd switched from being the, the motocross chick who, you know, wanted to just be involved in the sport at a competition level, but then, you know, turned it around to being on the other side of the racetrack. Uh, how long did it take to, get that craft going and uh, get that creative flair going? Well, for me, I just love to make stuff. Like I genuinely just love to learn and love to create things. Like it didn't really matter. It didn't matter what it was. So I started my business. If you could say it's not really, it wasn't a business back then. I think my first year, like I profited like $13 and I was working like full time. So <laughs> it definitely wasn't a business. But a um, couple of happy meals, you beauty. A couple of happy meals, mate, come on. <laughs> and yeah, so I just love to create stuff. And it was probably around the same time that I started Supercars Media. For context, I was, ever since I was young, I was a huge Mark Winterbottom fan. So he was the driver that I followed growing up. And I actually somehow managed to get involved with his personal team and start doing some graphic design for him and like some social media management. And then that kind of flipped sort of a switch in my head where I was like, hang on, maybe I can actually kind of make this a career and like actually have a go in the motorsport space beyond just being a volunteer or beyond just being a race fan. So that was kind of a turning point. Um, there definitely comes a time when, as a professional, you've got to flick that switch between doing it for nothing and living the dream uh, and actually making a living out of it. Um, and that's probably the most challenging part um, for anybody within a sport that they absolutely love and they've given a lot of their time to. Now, you're, you're looking after a lot of clients yourself, not just looking after grant stuff. You've got your own personal clients also. Um, tell us about how your week normally 
uh, rolls out? Are you, you're with Grant one day a week um, and then you're working on your stuff for the rest of it? If she wasn't so expensive, she could do more time with me. <laughs> you know, Grant wishes that I made less of a living from this. He would enjoy that if I made less of a living. But no, so I have motorsport clients and then kind of when COVID hit, I was pretty much forced to diversify. Like I was either going to lose my business because there was no motorsport. And that's everything that I relied on was just like my weekend work. Thursday to kind of a Monday, Tuesday was my work week. Then when that kind of all slowed up, I sort of used the time to jump on the bandwagon to learn heaps of new skills. Like I got a lot better at my graphic design. I got a lot better at like After Effects and animation and motion graphics. Uh, I learned a heap of digital marketing stuff like Facebook ads and email marketing. And I used that kind of six-month period of last year when we were in heavy lockdown in Melbourne to just do heaps of courses and heaps of programs. So then that helped me be able to get heaps of clients outside of motorsport, which was really cool. And I kind of, that kind of was when I really sort of established my business properly because I was like, if motorsport goes away, I can sort of stay afloat and keep yeah. going with the business. But then, and then I think, I think Grant messaged me way back and he was like, like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm done with motorsport. I'm done. I don't need it anymore. I've got all this other stuff. And then Tony said that a few times. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. And it was Sandown in like the start of this year. And I was like, bugger. Like I still love this as much as the day I started in it, like three or four years ago. I thought I was done. I was like, I'm out. No, I don't need this. And then I also realized that pretty much my entire social life is wrapped up in traveling to motorsport weekends and going out and partying like on a Sunday night. And then when I stopped that, I was like, it makes a lot of sense now why you and Grant are so <laughs> work so well together. Just, There's a couple of similarities there for sure. I just realized that I didn't actually have any friends or any life outside of motorsport. So yeah, it was, it was a Join bit a of a, it was an awakening where I was like, bugger i don't have anyone any other friends so then i was obviously drawn back into it because you know and then yeah just managed to somehow travel to a couple of rounds this year with grant and make him look really good thank you thank, thank you, you very that. much and we definitely yeah uh, yeah no you're right i do need as much help as i can and um i've certainly appreciated your uh, help uh, particularly over this year um, it's been great to help take my business to the, to the next level. And of course, if anyone wants to use today's services, they now have to come through me to, uh, to go to her. No, they don't. They <laughs> email me. <laughs> no, it's been, uh, it's been great to work together uh, and looking forward to the, to the next bits as well. Just, just one final question. You get to do a lot of, I've made you do a lot of work through, through my business and we've got heaps more stuff that we've got to do for this year uh, and beyond. So, uh, so just tell us, what is the best bit about coming to the racetracks with my good self uh, and our other, t other, other members of our Network R team uh, as we uh, go on this journey. Okay, so first and foremost, it must be the food. Um, <laughs> and then second, very close the second, beer. the beer. <laughs> and then the third, no, okay, so top would just be the fact that it kind of working with Grant enables me to 
sort of travel all of Australia and hopefully soon travel like the world, like New Zealand and wherever else we can end Tassie, up. Tasmania. Tassie, Perth. Perth. Travel, world. We'll travel over to Perth to go see old uh, ATL. It's a different country over there, that's for sure. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So we can travel the world and go to Perth um, and, yeah, and just just spend my weeks at racetracks and see all my friends and and clients and have a bloody good time. Great. So I'm just here just to satisfy your frequent flyer miles. Yes. Sounds like it. Sounds like you are. (laughs) Perfect. All right, to be honest. Exactly, I like it. Tanaya, thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up and we will see you at a racetrack uh, maybe sometime soon. Sounds good. Thank you. And we thank Tanaya and all of those lovely ladies for joining us on this episode of Parked Up Tony D. They're certainly, all three of them, definitely better looking than us. Absolutely they are. Maybe better looking than you. I reckon I'm a close second there. (laughs) Okay, let's wrap it up. We should mention the E-Series. Come on. We've gone deep enough. One, come on. Okay. Well, you can if you want, but it's very boring. You had another shocker. Shocker in terms of results, (laughs) right? You had a shocker in terms of results. So the fourth round of the E-Series went to Monza. There was no more oval racing. It was back to a, a traditional road course, a traditional permanent course. Great place, Monza. Mm. Amazing. Love it. Love um, it. It does just it highlights that I'm just no good on a sim, I think. You didn't qualify very well. You made an absolutely poor start. <laughs> uh, you were only involved in one sort of shunt at one point, I thought you were going to finish top 15, which probably wouldn't have been too bad given, mm. you know, what, what mm. had gone No, on. I look, I, I did take a very conservative approach to the race. Um, traditionally, turn one and two at Monza um, produces some crashes. So I, I typically, uh, I backed out of it and uh, was very cautious through the first couple of corners. And I was happy with that. No dramas. Um, but then I did have a little shunt with Scotty Pye, as we mentioned in the little chat with Shannon um that it didn't end up very good for me uh, but i didn't spend as much time in the pits grant so i thought that was a bit of a win uh, but i've been doing some good practice for bathurst this week we are doing an enduro um, so myself and ethan grigolt will partner up in the logitech mustang i believe because he actually races a, a commodore in uh <clears throat> in the sim well, in his side of things anyway. The pro Series, yep. Yeah, in the Pro Series. Uh, and I drive, obviously, race a Mustang. So I think we're going to race a Mustang. Um, so I've only got to do, Grant, eight laps around Bathurst. Eight laps, I've got to keep it off the fence and try and keep the, you know, the, the car going at a decent pace, um, which sounds very easy, very easy. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen from pretty much all the sim races, um, from the Supercar E-Series, most of the crashes happened within the first lap. Right. So if so I get through the first one or two laps... And you have to start? No, I don't think so. But I, I think we only have one... We have to do one mandatory stop. So it'd be crazy for me not to start. But why don't you get him to start? Don't tell anyone. Here's my strategy call for you. Okay. Get him to start. Blaze off into the distance. And, ah. you, and you finish it off. No, I couldn't deal with the pressure of it. Imagine them come hunt me down. I'd bloody fence it. No good. 
But there's other walls aren't that far away from the racing <laughs> track at, at that track. It's easy. Bathurst. At Bathurst. I, I, yeah. I must admit, though, like I feel – I'm going to put it out there. I feel more comfortable around Bathurst than what I did at Monza. Um, Jeez. So I'm hoping – hoping that Monza's we're going to have a better round. It's just like four straights connected by three chicanes. Yeah, I know, I know. But I've done a lot of laps around Bathurst, so I sort of know the, the little nuances of the Bathurst circuit. So okay. fingers crossed, Grant. I really, really, really want to get a good result for these Logitech mm, boys. I, yeah. I feel really bad because they've got me on board as as the supercar expert, and I'm bloody doing a terrible job. But nah, it's not through the lack well. of trying. No, I'm exactly. doing terrible. You're you're doing um, you're doing pretty good. You were you know we we got. I'm doing pretty good the, now, am I? No, right, you're doing okay. Before you said okay. I was doing bloody shit ass. You are, you are. I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to talk it up a little bit for you, mate. We grew up in the Thank era you. of playing computer games where you were pressing buttons on a on a keyboard or well, or exactly. a little joystick. We you know exactly. we weren't and, twelve years old behind these things. Look, I I don't want to um you know blow my own trumpet, but I will. <laughs> When I play with my mates, I'm not too bad on the sim. Mm -hmm. But when when I'm playing against other pro racers and guys that have spent a lot of time on the sim, there's a big gap, big gap. So I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to close that gap, but I'm trying, bloody trying. It's okay. just such a different sensation. And uh, to try and find those last couple of, uh, or last half a second, let's say, um, very, very tricky. So anyway, we'll see how we go about this. Hopefully we can uh, stay out of trouble and Ethan can bring it home for a big result. Ah, oh dear. Poor Ethan. Poor <laughs> Ethan. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Cool. Yeah, well, I, I hope so too. I hope so too. I could, last week you were impossible. I, I get to hang around with you and do these things and we're doing a bit of stuff on the Parked Up Podcast's Instagram page trying to make some little bits of content last Wednesday night, you were dark. I was angry. Very so angry. angry. I don't like it when you're angry. Well, it's only because I'm, I'm competitive. And I think I said to you on the night, if I was like fast, but you know, we got involved in a shunt, you know, you, you'd be upset about the shunt, but I wasn't fast and it just confuses me. It's like, what is going on? I'm trying. I'm probably overdriving it. Um, but, you know, there's really no, well, there shouldn't be any excuses. So uh, it just, just confused me a bit. So the frustration was showing last week. Oh, yeah. Probably, probably uh, copped a few um, naughty words behind the scenes, Grant. There was a couple. Right. There was a couple. Anyway, all good. All no good. Okay. Thank you. It is funny, though. It is funny because a lot of, a lot of the sim races, like Scotty Pie and like Shannon was talking about, we all act as though it's a lot of fun and we're just here to have a good time. But really, deep down behind the scenes, we're all shitty as hell if we don't go well. Of course, of course. You're jumping into a <laughs> you're jumping into a seat, there's a steering wheel in front of you and three pedals below underneath your feet. You can't once, help that, once those things happen <sighs> with you type of blokes, it's the uh, the red mist is everywhere. I can see I'm it. surprised that my screens are still intact. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. And next week we're looking for a new uh, screen sponsor for the Parked Up podcast. <laughs> hey, do Logitech um, sell they screens? Don't. They don't. Oh, damn it. They don't. Damn it. Anyway. All the paraphernalia that goes around it. There you All right. Go. Thank you. That's this episode of Parked Up in the can, and you'll hear from us next week. Thanks for joining us.
Thank you very much, Grant. Well done.